Welcome to Spaghetti Launchers, a world-building podcast where we throw spaghetti at the wall, and it's up to you what sticks. Each episode, we go in-depth on an element of fictional worlds, breaking it down and developing unique examples live on the fly to give you ideas you can copy, steal, or be inspired by. Whether you're a writer, a GM, or an all-around nerd goblin, nerd goblin, just looking to indulge your imagination, we've got you covered. I'm Kyle. I'm Ethan. On this episode, we'll be discussing creation myths. Where do babies come from? Storks. Oh, that's just clear cut. No, I didn't know that. No follow ups are required on that one. I didn't know that. Uh, but okay. when we're talking about creation myths, we're talking about gods creating a planet. I was going to say or Earth, universe. but yeah, or the universe. Uh, the Big Bang is a, is is a creation myth because apparently Emphasis it is on myth. Yeah, apparently it's a myth. They they're now disproving the Big Bang is like the preeminent theory. The fuck uh, out of here. Yeah, they? yeah, it's like a legit thing that scientists sure. are being like, wait. There's stuff that predates the Big Bang, basically. So they're like, oh, crap, we might be wrong. But we'll see. I'm not a scientist, and this isn't a science podcast. I had no idea. Yeah. The more you know. Dun, dun, dun. Lock it up there with uh, Pluto. Pour one out for the boys. Didn't Pluto come back? Is it a planet now? I don't know. Mm. Something. Dwarf Scientists planet. of the world. Let us know. Yeah. So it can be that. We will also probably be intertwining it with creation myths from a society perspective mm -hmm. uh the creation myth of a country of a civilization usually because it can date back far enough that it is it moves into mythology when you look at ancient pantheons they're usually mythology to explain the existence of those people but then there's mm -hmm. also mythologies that are specifically how did this world become to exist and who doesn't want to be associated with a with a deity at some point right like the spartans thought they were all descended from hercules like yeah sure power to you man so one of my favorite creation myths I read about first in high school, and it was one of those things that just stuck with me, was um, there's one of the creation myths from, from Japanese religion is that there's a deity, I forget the name of the deity, of course, um, dipped its sword into the water, lifted the sword out into the ocean, lifted its sword uh, out of the ocean, and then the droplets of water that fell off the tip of the sword landed back in the ocean and formed the islands of Japan. And I just thought that was so cool. I it, it like I can visualize it still in my head. It's brilliant. It's smooth. It's clean. Like there's no. It's it's just it's beautiful too. Yeah. It's just great. And so thinking about what you were talking about earlier, creation myths can be about a country. They can be about a world. They can be about a people. They can be about a city. They can be about anything. I just think for from a country perspective, the way that it shows deities interacting with the physical world to create something that we know and well, see and, and recognize today, it, it's just beautiful. It's brilliant. Well, and I think in that instance, it does kind of give it a sense of like a uh, military tradition to be like, it was a sword yeah. dipped in the water. It sure. wasn't like somebody took a paintbrush and then was like, ooh, do, 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 do. And it was like paint droplets. There, it, it has a sense of like blood and battle. That's kind of it. It, it, well, it, it evokes and, that a little bit. So you get a little bit of that tradition infused into the 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 creation myth but well. that's a beautiful i mean noodle on that for a second that's a great way to start off you have a deity that literally painted the world or mm, or they talk yeah. about i've heard this somewhere before where the world was thrown like clay like you know like you would throw clay or uh, use a, a potter's wheel or something like that like what you know again Wait. seeing religion as a reflection of the values of of your society you have an artist deity yeah. That painted that's, the world. That's genius, specifically the the spitting clay. I love the idea that the world, because the world is, world is rotating, Yeah, that it is actively being thrown. So that's why you, oh, you, have, that's cool. you have volcanoes erupting. It's changes that are being done 
the world is changing because the artist is that the god that is this artist is changing their technique they're doing little That's things awesome. in their studio i love it to shift it and Perfect. patrick swayze's behind the whole thing just yeah. kind of like making it happen absolutely it's, i'm so i'm comforted by that idea it's a, it's a comforting god it's a comforting god and it makes you feel like it, it does give sort of a bit more of a rationale behind yeah. everything happens for a reason which ties into as you know one of my favorite things to talk about which is morality that makes no sense to us but that exists like you yeah. can't damage this one tree the consequences of damaging this one tree are so far reaching and so far beyond yeah. that you cannot comprehend them but they, it's it ties right into that one of my favorite things that brilliant beautiful. just a shout out to um patrick rothfuss's uh the name of the wind uh and the wise man's fear where there's literally a tree that is like this ancient tree that is evil and that by communicating with it you will, will like basically doom you and yourself and the world uh by simply talking to it and it's uh, very interesting and eventually he'll drop the third book and maybe we'll learn what that's all about but it's a similar thing yeah. like you just can't comprehend the consequences yeah I, lo but, I love shit like that it's just it's so it's just so ripe with opportunity for drama for action for fucking comedy like i feel like that sort of douglas adams whole approach is everything has cosmic significance beyond our own understanding <laughs> and it's what makes him so fun to read yeah sure well and i getting back to this idea of i i do find it interesting because you pointed out it's very comforting and i i legitimately i'm like that is such a pleasant creation myth because usually it's like apocalyptic event it's mm -hmm. the great flood it is uh there was a war between gods and it scarred this planet and that's where we all live now mm -hmm. versus oh it's just like a lovely thing we are being slowly sculpted into the perfect version of a world there are these uh disembodied hands like at super smash bros uh <laughs> just slowly sculpting the world into making it a, like a better version of itself every single day it's getting closer to perfection yeah. and then like I, I, in that world i think that creation myth would come up you would you would have in whatever religion that comes out of that this idea that you are heading towards an endpoint of perfection for this world that the world's it's beautiful like because we think of heaven and like the afterlife as the the kind of that equivalent in mo most human society but what if you're like no 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 it's the planet itself is going to reach a utopic state once the god is done with his craftsmanship whenever the whenever whenever the um the pot stops spinning mm -hmm. we, we all win you know like yeah. that's the end yeah. But in a good way. It's Then it just kind of sits there stagnant in perfection, and then it becomes the good place. It's also, there's also some really sinister potential there, too. Like, I'm imagining a bit of a sci-fi universe now where, mm -hmm. let's say, it's a, this is the belief of one of the, of, of a planet, right? They, right? they have the belief, the sculptor, the potter, whatever you want to call it. They use this to evangelize, but this is their excuse for, like, quote unquote, bringing their culture to the world of like bringing, yeah. like, speeding this, like, making your world turn faster mm -hmm. by coming and saying, You're not progressing fast enough. Yeah. You need to move faster, toward, you need to spin faster. And so we're going to come in and help you do that. And yeah. Okay. It, it, right. Like, it could, yeah. it could very easily be used. We see it very comforting right now. You could very easily use that to become very expansionist imperialist a very because then you evil get evil approach to it yeah then you become we are doing this for the we're doing this for your own good right and then you move into the for the greater good i like the idea of okay throw some sauce on that is that they're right for their world their world uh -huh. has the sculptor yeah, yeah, yeah their planet is being there are multiple deities in this universe and there is in their context they're correct their world is being sculpted and will one day be complete 
the other planets so don't cool. have that. It's they have their own their own like backdrops and their own creation that is fully unique and separate and they're fucking everything up by going in and trying to be like no 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 this is the way it happens like yeah in your world like we have a different system here yeah totally it's like different it's like like if you drive uh an automatic car and you go and, and you're like I'll, I'll i'll drive this lambo and i'll uh-huh. I, I will win this race don't worry and then you get in it and then you have no idea and you fuck it off and you break the lambo uh-huh. you're like yeah because it works differently here right. man that's super cool and it's that so in it reminds me of you know in animism or or shintoism everything you know there are there are inherent spirits right to to physical objects in the world and and elements of it but you're taking it to a cosmic level where each planet has their own creator deity and is responsible and governed by it and it's you can play with that and have a yeah. lot of fun with that. I like the idea that, okay, so we take that. Yeah. Everybody has their own creator deity. Yeah. And there's like a council of creator deities that exists. There's, there's like a pantheon. There's like, an HOA. There's like, yeah, there's like an HOA. <laughs> there's like an intergalactic <laughs> HOA that exists. And there's a bunch of gods that all get together and they all have to like debate and be like, hey, man, you've got this, like, this asteroid belt that you're building that's really getting close to my planet and it's really <laughs> messing with my gravity and now my water is rising. <laughs> I need you to back up. And it's in the bylaws. You can only use red asteroids. These are clearly gray. We've written you about this multiple times. We will have to take action. We are noticing too much aluminum deposits there. And that <laughs> does attract unwanted riffraff from the outer planets. You're going to have to resolve that. I, I mean, I think when we've discussed in, in the past, we love the idea of any gods interacting with each other. Yeah. And so these are like creator gods that are kind of like laissez-faire. Well, we're designating them as creator gods. I don't think we even need to call them explicitly yeah, creator gods. They're just deities. They could even be, look at, um, think about the celestials in, in, in the Marvel universe, or um, there's a great uh, comic uh, line in the DC universe in the Wildstorm universe called Authority. They do something like this where planets are created by these obscenely powerful cotton cosmic beings but they are physical they exist they're not they're not metaphysical in the sense of a you know that we would normally classify deity they exist in the realm in our realm they're just obscenely advanced mm, interesting i don't know what else to say to that i haven't read I have, I'm, I'm not up they're very cool one of the reasons i love the authority one in in particular is because it started off with um this giant it's this giant black pyramid. It's really cool. It's like the size of the sun. Yeah. Um, and it, or the size of the moon, rather. Um, it comes, it, it's revealed that it is the original creator of the earth, but it can only survive in a severely anaerobic environment, very acidic, like it needs a hostile environment. Yeah. So when it originally created the earth, that was the, that was the state of the earth, but then earth was struck by a rogue meteor and it tilted its axis, pushed it a little closer to the sun and caused all of these changes that led to life sparking and the, the planet we know now. And I think that's a really cool idea yeah. of what if the world that we live, we have create, you know, it, there's a creator myth, but it was an accident. Yeah. Well, think that's about, super fun. Think about current day Mars. Hmm. That were like, yeah, Mars was different back in the day. We, we're pretty fucking confident they had water. Like, yeah. you, you could just say that it was, I mean, think about Earth in um, 
the nearish future when we mm-hmm. d- decide to continue to destroy ourselves through climate change uh that the world can just be slowly undone and its conditions could be could go from right for life to bad for life yeah. or it could go the opposite direction and go from this bad for life and you know or it can move into the state where it's actually better very, yeah it's better and through natural means or through artificial means like accidental terraforming yeah terraforming like uh go watch the expanse which i I, I keep telling you to watch but there's this whole thing of like the people on mars mars had everybody on mars has this dream they are trying to terraform mars so that it is actually they can be it can be fully habitable in a way that earth is but at, Mm. at, at the moment it's not there yet and they are this militaristic society on mars and they are like at war with earth and all this but it's like because earth I, I think like abandoned them in their quest to terraform and stopped classic yeah so then they, because they, they were afraid of the rival sure, rivalry sure. so then mars's whole dream is to terraform but that's also their creation myth was create a new earth so then their entire society's existence is about fulfilling the creation myth is we need to create a new earth we need to create a, a planet that we can we can habitate and they're trying to do that through the entire history of that planet's existence this is giving me some interesting noodles and it's yeah. a bit of a departure so bear with it. me but you terraform and you terraform and you terraform and you terraform and you realize that for some reason there's some mix of gases here on you know at the surface level of the planet where you can't do it it just oh. it's not gonna work so what do you do you start building and you build layers and layers and cities and cities and cities and eventually you just increase physically the size of the planet until you get to a point where yeah. you can basically create an artificial atmosphere yeah. around it. So the planet's core, your planet's core, which you perceive it as, is that there's actually another planet under your planet. It's like um no one really like we don't see a ton of it anywhere in the Star Wars universe, but what's really at Coruscant's surface level? You know, Do you know have you read about so one of the coolest things I read that there is actually at the deepest, lowest possible level of the city of Coruscant, there is apparently, I read somewhere, I could be wrong, that in a museum, you can see, it's the lowest possible habitable point. Mm-hmm. The museum exists only to show like a very small point of rock, and it is the top of the tallest mountain. So oh. even still, then below that, you have the whole rest of the planet. That's cool. Yeah, I thought I, I got chills when I read that. Yeah, and that seems very much in the vein of what you're talking. Yeah, about. Yeah, it's like it's related where you're like you're just building, top, yeah, build on top of something. It's I mean it's like building a a, a city in the water. It's just build mm-hmm. buoys, build pillars to get yourself to a point where you can create the stable structure over the place that's uninhabitable. And then um, over time, the reason this can become a creator myth, so to speak, is to say, well, at one point in time, there uh, imagine you're a druid. Right. In a world of wizards who are dealing with arcane magic, which we typically associate wizards with advanced technology and mathematics. And, you know, they're the, they're the nerds. Right. And then the druids are over here being the hippies. You're a druid and you are convinced you're like, there is a planet under this city. And they're like, nope, there's not. It's just our own arcane build. It. Like, don't do that. Don't go there. None of it. And you dig and you dig and you dig and you go deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's more and more dangerous. And then. You get to the bottom and you find out and you were right. And there it is. Mm. But then it would just be, it would be, un, it'd still be uninhabitable because you'd be, sure. it'd be underneath an entire erected structure of city. So it would just be like, yeah, I got to the bottom. I found that this thing is here, but then there's nothing you can do with it really. 
No, I, who said you had to do anything with True. it? True. It's, it's more just, just about di- this this journey of discovery and yeah, center the or gener- journey to the center of the earth. Yeah, exactly. Kind of yeah. Thing. Um, getting back to uh, I guess creating of the universe. I I, I want to bring it back to the Japan idea of like mm. God's doing it mm-hmm. deliberately, deliberately. Like, like w- w- and trying to think of what are interesting versions that we can come up with of God's creating space. One thing that I'm thinking about now is like God's creating a planet, not because of the people, because of resources. They are creating a planet because they want something out of the planet. They create a planet that is incredibly mountainous because they want the mountains as a back scratcher because they Hmm. want ore, because they want or they like the look of water. They created an entire planet of water because they wanted a big mirror. To look at their own reflection, you, like something of like mm-hmm. what? Why would a god create a planet? Why would resource? a vain deity like that do that? Yeah, vain or not, because it could be that they're in a war with somebody else in the HOA. It could be any reason that they're creating it, but they're creating it for a specific resource to be gained. Habitable life, like intelligent life, is an accident for them. What if a planet was considered a parent figure and its moons were considered its children mm-hmm. and that was your creation myth that the the you know you could draw from greek mythology mother gaia yeah. father uranus but then it's you, you're incentivized almost to like try and see how you can create more and more moons more and more satellites around your planet okay yeah okay go great idea um let's go to like the uh, pre-galileo perception of the solar system sure of there is the one planet. Right. right. We're going to say Earth. Yeah. yeah. Earth is the center of the universe. There is no sun. It is just, and it is just moon after moon after moon. And all these new moons keep getting created. And the moons are habitable. And people move to the moon. And uh, it's yeah. like, and Earth is the prime planet. And that is where the gods live. Only the gods live on Earth. The the moons uh, that surround cool. Earth are all filled with different species. Yeah. And, but, and it's tight. It's not a wide-spanning universe it's we've made it to the moon sure so they can get from moon to moon way earlier in the technological advancement you don't have to get to advanced sci-fi the cosmic slingshot yeah all you gotta do is get to 1969 and you're done yeah like that's it that's yep. how far technology is. we don't even need fucking cell phones before no. before you can get between all of these all these moons and then it. and those moons all start to create factions alliances yep eventually of course. Sure. What are they going to do? Yeah. They're, they're going to try and take on Earth. Yeah. They're going to try and take down the, the yeah. nuts. They want that because that's a better planet. Right. These moons are fucking cold. And they're habitable, but they we but we they're not like that a lot. Yeah. We we always say, oh yeah, just because it's habitable means like, all right, yeah, that's good. I still don't want to live there. Like, yeah, habitable doesn't mean pleasant. Right. People have been Siberia doing... is habitable. <laughs> yeah. Uh, barely. Barely. But... <laughs> yeah. Well, like p- people move to places that are ideal. There's a reason why everyone wanted to move to California. It's mm-hmm. the it's a Mediterranean climates mm-hmm. are where humans have had the, the greatest It's also success. where life and civilization sparked. Yeah, exactly. People want to move to Mediterranean climates because they're so fucking lovely to be in. Right. No one wants to live in Iceland. No one wants to live in Siberia, you know, for the climate. They might want to live in Iceland because it's got great social services, but not because, oh, it's just so pleasant. Hmm? I love not having any sun. Bro, I'm from Rochester, New York. We got <laughs> sun only six months of the year. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Pouring I, out for Seattle. 
I, I mean, I like the Seattle climate, honestly. I've never been. Everyone tells me it's awesome. It is pretty awesome. I'll take it. I, I like overcast whenever it's not super cold to go with it. Like 50s and overcast, I, that's great. I, I need sun, man. I need that sun. Like, like a doctor has actually prescribed me a sun lamp at one point. They're like, you clearly have clinical depression when you don't get enough sun, so get a get a sun lamp. Well, spring is about to sprung tomorrow, so. Fantastic. Woohoo. Anyway, uh, I, I'm trying to think if there's anything more to add onto this uh the planets orbiting or the the father planet to the uh children moons would, i don't know if there's more how would the planets get cre- how would the moons get created would it be something that scientists could predict like oh we're seeing a bunch of offshoots of i think materials it, like there's you know volcanoes that are spewing it out and oh yes we can predict where a new moon will begin to form we can tr- mathematically, right? Like, how would that work? I don't think, uh, I think it is, moving back to its its gods, I think the gods on Earth, it's like their refuse. Mm. It's it's parts of the Earth they don't want anymore. Okay. They just say, nah, we've used this part up. It's not great anymore. Toss it out. Hmm. And then it gets caught in the orbit, and then it becomes habitable. Yeah, and it collects uh, with all the other unused. So yeah. there's, so there's almost that would be really fun from a travel perspective. Is like there's all these moons outside, but there is almost like an ast, like a light asteroid field, like yeah, that you have to navigate through to get to it's the other planet, like, like little islands. Yeah, so like because you could you could take the same idea and just make it smaller scale and put it on one world and you just say here's a continent this is where the gods live and then there's a bunch of like shitty islands yeah. that are around it and yeah. and it's just you just make it into boat travel uh we're just doing it in space but you totally. can you can change out how that goes i think in that context though thinking about like how does life get created because i think it's interesting if et's planets has its its own species as well yeah. that like something about the gods like divine magic and divine power on that planet whenever it's they're like ejecting it they are disconnecting it but it's still but it has this like spark of life from Mm. their divine power that Mm. it then quickly evolves into actual intelligent life because they are birthed of divine magic Hmm. well and then you could still have it be evolution takes its normal course I think it would be a fast version of evolution. No, 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 it could, yeah. but I'm saying it could still follow the same principle of of mutation yeah. fit. You're you're more fit to survive in this area, and it just happens quickly. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think that I would, could I, work. I'm thinking of like though it's never fully explained. I'm thinking of orcs, like Tolkien mm. orcs. Yeah, yeah. Of like they just kind of come out of somewhere, and you're just like, they're, well, they're corrupted elves. Yeah, well, if you want to follow rings of power and the corrupted elves, if you want no, to that's that. That's... Tol- I, I believe Tolkien never made it clear. Tolkien left it up. Saruman there. says it. He says it when he's building his Urukai. Does he? Yes. I don't. I, don't, I, I have. I, I am. I am right. I am correct. I. I uh, debate that, and we you will. We, debate, we will look into this were, later. Wrong. I. I've read this film really. They were elves once. That's what. But he's a liar. And I might be wrong here. But I don't really care. I'm just, anymore. I don't know if it's canonically right. I'm just saying that that's what Saruman says. Oh, that's first what, Okay, Saruman saying it. Is not canonical. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm saying I'm, Tolkien never gave the clear canonical answer. That's why there was the whole debate in Rings of Power of them explaining that the orc, like that they were like the orcs are corrupted elves, and everyone was like, "Well, that's an interpretation," but they didn't. But Tolkien never made it clear. Folks, let us know in the comments. 
Kyle and I otherwise will continue I mean, to debate this for an hour. No, we're gonna we're gonna figure this out after we finish recording. Yeah. Anyway, so like the idea that they just kind of come out almost fully formed. So then the evolution is pretty short. It's, yeah. pretty, it's like a shortcut because I think it's like a refined evolution. Yeah, because then you also you can accelerate the timelines of, of of the story and of this world, so it mm-hmm. can be like new planet pops up and it's it is like fully inhabited within a couple years by a society that is or by like a species that is still this already advanced enough to to exist there so it's like what, what whatever the 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 biome of that space on earth before it was ejected yeah that's what they evolve from and to what if it were so two 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 sauces on this okay. we're, we're gonna get a little a little a little vodka a little, and a little marinara yeah a little vodka i was gonna say a little vodka a little cream or a little marinara a little cream make a vodka sauce yeah um what if you had it was a planet and as the gods can and quote unquote gods, you can decide for yourself as with any world building whether or not these are actually super powerful deities or these are just creatures that are perceived as like superhuman that people treat as gods. It's up to you whether or not gods are real. But what if they were going through different layers of a planet and that's why so like as they oh, worked and lived yeah. on their home on the center planet it was going through you know we have like you know the crust the what's below the crust and then we eventually mantle, mantle and, and, yeah, right and like, like so that stuff. as you're eventually working i mean it's a planetary scale so it will take millions and billions of years to go through and and event but eventually you will consume the whole planet yeah i'm thinking of it like um you take one one sheet of paper and crumple it up and throw it. Yeah. It's just they take one, like they shed one single yep. layer. Yep. Like one single form of rock. And so it's just like, it's not a ton, but when you bundle it up, it, yep. do, it is sizable enough. And then they throw that yep. out. Yep. And then it just gets ejected out into that sphere. And eventually, because of gravity, there are enough particles that, that gather together and they form their own planet and then they get ejected. And then it's easy because you can... You can speed there's there's a reason to speed up evolution there because then suddenly all these new species are interacting with each other because they're being watched. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, we can predict there's a new planet gonna form. We go help them, we educate them, and that really fits into again, it doesn't matter if the gods are real or not, but the creation mythology is what was the first civilization? What was the first species, the oldest one? Yeah. That they were there. They guided the development of all the others. The, the, the lineages there. Mm-hmm. Are, I, I, mythology, culture, it builds itself. It's super fun to do. That's very cool. So I want to bring it to a different angle here, which is Rome. I love Rome. I bring it up all the time. Um, Did but, you ever spend time in Italy? Yeah, a little bit. Huh. Uh, a little bit. You never mentioned this. Yeah. Am I reading a book on Rome right now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. SPQR by Mary Beard. It's great. Uh, but getting into there is a, a rising school of thought that Romulus and Remus were never real people at all. That we think of like the founders of Rome, Romulus and Remus, the two two twin brothers or Son, just brothers, sons of Mars. Yeah, that what were, and then th- there's the, um, the what they called the rape of the Sabine women, mm-hmm. which was basically just kidnapping and stealing a bunch of women from a culture called the Sabines, uh, and then Romulus and Remus themselves, and now that it's becoming seemingly more evident that all of that is made up hmm. that it was actually a merger between rome and the sabine uh town or whatever they made it seem more of like a conquest thing because that was who rome became sure. R- romulus is way too close of a word to rome uh and there's no evidence that remus w- was ever a person so everyone's like well how did they eat them up whatever it's like basically everything about it is is just 
it's a it's a lens that they're looking into the past with after Rome became what it became and coming up with the creation myth after the fact. So they are trying to explain who they are now based on where they started, but where they started was much more humble and much more straightforward and less interesting and less heroic of the time or whatever. So they're like, let's just make up a story. So you can just, in whatever story you're telling, you can always just say, the creation myth that everyone believes is bullshit. And it was just come up, it was invented by by the king, by bards, by whomever in the past 100 years to explain why we're so great now. Rome was trying to say, we're fucking awesome. We're the greatest thing that's ever existed. So we're going to come up with this really impressive story of how we started out, how we like how like scrappy we were and how resourceful and how we just took what we wanted and we became this conquering nation. Mm-hmm. Just come up with whatever it's story literally you want. in our blood like. Yeah. And it's all bullshit. Right. You can just do that in any context. Sure. You can People say do it all the time. People do it all the time in the real. I mean, think of the way that we in the United States have mythologized our founding fathers. The founding fathers, and uh, I'm uh, not to discount any of their achievements, but we now treat them with such reverence, and that it's it's bordering on religious. Yeah, when, especially when you consider like the political philosophy background that those guys had, that was foundational to their understanding of what democracy would become. Mm-hmm. You pull any thirty year poli sci student, they fucking know more. They could probably come up yeah. with, with a different system. They just sure. don't have the, the ability to do so. Sure. It's like the whole thing of like nobody in their right mind would create the system of government we have today because it's a really dumb setup, but it was brilliant at the time. Right. And we just, but we've mythologized almost as a way to explain why we will not evolve. Every culture mythologizes its own creation. Just like I was saying earlier with the yeah. Spartans believing they were descended from Her- from Hercules because it it's how our religion and our societies are linked together. They don't evolve. We don't evolve society and then choose to evolve religion. We don't evolve religion and then choose to evolve society. Yeah. They, they create each other in conversation dialectically, right? Like yeah. the creation of one informs the other and it just goes along and round and round in a circle. Yeah. And so it makes total sense that if as society changes and evolves, religion and their myths and their narratives have to change and evolve with that because otherwise the purpose of religion is to, as we discovered earlier, provide existential calm. Yeah. And so if your myths or your reality changes and breaks that, you need to evolve them to legitimize them to keep them moving forward. So I, I want to I try to brainstorm on a couple ideas of how of that that change over time to hmm. like to the um, we are changing our creation myth to match who we've become. That's cool. And I'm thinking about it and like trying to think of I think you're gonna need a, a pretty large event to shift that. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a uh, let's take a term from insurance a QLE a qualifying life event. Sure, a qualifying life event. <laughs> QLE and like the most obvious answer in any scenario because it's historically the way it goes too is war. Uh-huh. Let's say you have a civilization that ends up in a decades long war, generations long war. It is a war that will not end. It is it is a World War One esque war of attrition. It is brutal. It is depressing. It is, it is, violent. it is violent, and it is mentally taxing on everybody in these societies. But for some reason, that is up to whoever's coming up with the idea further. Peace is not achievable. They can't come. They can't even just come to a stalemate and say we're done. Over the course of this period, people start to lose faith in who and what the society was. The war ends. 
and they are victorious or they're not. Either but, way. But then they change their creation myth. They say, because you, you, you could either say we were born again as a society mm. out of this conflict. We became stronger, more resilient, whatever. You could also go that they, it becomes a very nihilistic society that says nothing really matters and they don't go to war ever again. They are easily conquerable because they just say it was not worth it. We got nothing out of that. And they become a society that it, that is like that they are born out of useless conflict, the whole like fruitless victories thing, but it's fruitless defeats as well. It's just there, there's no point in war. There's no point in defending ourselves. We are a society that has learned that lesson. We have changed who we are. We will never fight again. I actually see that. So I'm going to throw some sauce on those noodles. You, Victor, this leads a very clear path for two very different peoples. Mm -hmm. One is you're almost think of them as a society of paladins, right? These are bright people. They come out of conquest. They're, they're, they're clad in shining armor and for the glory and Captain America and everyone like that. There's the other people that do that. Maybe it's not so much that they just never engage in conflict. They, what, what I think would be more accurate is if they, learn to live in secret and underground so as not to provoke okay. conflict very uh hobbits uh the hardfoots very of... the very the hardfoots very i mean look at the the history of judaism when jews were not allowed to practice mm, yeah. publicly it became a very oral tradition for a very long time and so suddenly you get this society that exists but it almost functions but it's it's more diaspora than anything else like it's it's still there it's still very strong but it finds strength not in not in bright blaze you know brazen conflict but in endurance and yeah. and and okay. survivability right like and through community and and not through conflict and war but it's more of a I'm having, you could take it many ways. I I, I get what you're going with that. I think that's really interesting. And now it's making me think of what if you come out of this conflict, there is just a total splintering of that civilization, of that society where you have the people who are, who still believe in who they were, but who are going underground, who are, who who do not feel that outward pride to talk about it. Mm. But then you, and then you have the people who completely abandon it. Mm -hmm. The people who, who start, who start saying, no, we were never great. We were never like a, a civilization that was worth aspiring to. We failed. We are failures. You know, what's just given and just let everybody, we'll just do it. And they might only exist for a while before they yeah. get and like, conquered and you, again. <laughs> but like, it's rare that you see a dissolution of a state, of a country, of mm. a nation. Mm. It is not a common thing that is, at least not anymore. Mm. Used to happen more often. Sure. Now it's like everything's kind of just well, also time is slowed down but if it's a we have lost our common identity so we're just kind of calling it quits we're gonna go and, and we're gonna move around and we will be this diaspora and we will continue to be proud of who we were or we will stay put and do that or and then you have the people who just say fuck it i don't want to be here anymore none of this matters i'm gonna just move around and just party i'm gonna be like a hedonistic for a year yeah. for the rest of my life yeah i don't know like you could it like you create a complete shift for yeah. that society and it's up to you what that what that will look like you yeah as as many different human beings exist there are different ways of reacting to traumatic events yeah. and you can some people and oh. it's there's no wrong way to react to tra- 
trauma, really, right? Like, Correct. to move past it. To... Well, causing other people trauma is probably the wrong way to react to trauma. There is one bad way to react yeah. to trauma. <laughs> I've been traumatized. Uh, bad way to respond to trauma. Mythology is, are, are stories that sort of guide us through the world yeah. and through, through our lives and through existence. And so how, does, how do we change our mythology to, to make sense of the world that we live in now? Yeah. When I'm thinking of like, when you look at, at mythologies like the classics of mm-hmm. the Greeks, the Egyptians, the, the Norse, the Indians, that, you know, there are so many interesting mythologies that exist in so many, in so many religions today and, and extinct religions. And it's usually coming up with, with ver- how do you explain the world that exists around you? Mm-hmm. And if you're looking for like just one-to-one explanations of things that are common today, you just look at any of them for inspiration. There's so much there. But then it's when you get into like worlds where you introduce new things that don't exist in our world. Right. How do you explain that? Right. How do you rationalize it? Yeah. And like, all right. So like, let's say you That's have, cool. if magic is real, if, if arcane magic, divine magic, natural magic, all those, whoever is the god of those, mm. isn't that just going to be the most powerful god in, in a pantheon? So doesn't that shift power? Because I, I like the idea of, of a power mm. dynamic among gods. So take, you have Mount Olympus. Zeus is the most powerful god, so we think. What if you add in, you know, say you're doing more urban fantasy in ancient Athens, and you've got those gods, but then magic is real. There's another god that's come in named Eric, and Eric is the god of magic. (laughs) E-H-R-R-I-C. Trying to make the Greek spelling of it? K-X. Has to have a silent X. Eric's. No, it's silent. So it's just Eric. Just (laughs) silent X. Silent X. So it's just Eric. Uh, So Eric's the god of magic. Does does he not topple Zeus? Because he. So if you've got a world where the gods are perceived to be real, you can go up to Mount Olympus. If Eric can empower his followers, empower individuals, and say, "I will make, I can grant magic to anybody I want." I can create an army that can topple all of you in an instant because they. Be- I, I can just create an army of demigods, and I myself am a powerful god. Because what I mean, what, Zeus can just say, "Why well, give them lightning?" Well, you're distinguishing. You're working on the assumption that primal, divine, and arcane magic are all different. Well, I'm also that because those I think are, those it, are very D and D terms. I, I'm not thinking. No, they are, but, but but okay. So so remove the D and D terms from it. You're assuming that the sources of magic are all distinct, mm-hmm. and I kind of think it's more interesting to discover that they're not. We think that you're all that they're all distinct, but over time, as you you know, and this could be an interesting story element. As cultures continue to grow, you have different characters, different magic wielders from different cultures, all thinking that they're drawing from different powers. And then it's revealed over time that they're not. They're all drawing from the one, same one same pool, one same pool, and they're just doing it differently. But it's all still the same pool. All right. So say Eric doesn't realize this. Mm. Eric thinks Eric's cocky. Eric is a new god and okay. is saying. I can okay. So I in this context, I'm saying that he's the god of human magic. Okay. He's the god of giving magic to humans of magic or humans' ability to. He's the Prometheus of your world. Sure. 
taking something that once belonged to the god, giving it to humans. Yeah, to a degree. And like he's like the, you know, he's in charge of like the weave or whatever sure, sure. Ma- magical thing that is running it for the humans. And but he doesn't fully comprehend that in reality it's all Zeus is still the one like holding the like yeah. it the the generator's plugged in in his temple. He can just unplug it and be like no man no. that that was all coming from me i'm you only have that power because i say you have that power right he basically declares war on the gods all of his his empowered disciples join him in this declared war against That's zeus cool. zeus says oh it's gonna be like that yeah well fuck y'all and then zeus just goes to war against them and then zeus right. is just it it is you have an entire society of ancient greece hiding and running from zeus and the rest of the olympians because eric misled them yeah because eric made them think that they could become gods themselves but eric didn't understand how the magic worked he didn't understand the source of his own power was zeus that's and the other really, olympians that's fun and then you create this conflict built in of a war against the gods that was like such a big fuck up that like it's such an accident and yeah. but zeus is too he's too angry to, to give stopped. a shit about your apology yeah like oh we're so sorry zeus and he just he just fucking stonewalls and says no i don't care you're dead there's a this there's a principle I th- I can't remember which book it is but they're very clear in D and D that warlock powers cannot be taken away by pissing off their patron right yeah which makes sense from a game perspective otherwise that that would suck but what if that were also true like what if Zeus tried to shut off the power but then realized like he yeah he can't oh I'm saying that okay yeah true. In my mind, he he wasn't actually coming off the power. It, it just got it. it became an open war. Got it. But got it's it, more it, of it. his saying, "Do you realize I'm the one who gave that to you? Yeah. Like it's all coming from me. I can't turn. I can't turn off the spigot. You know? Right. But I'm still more powerful than you. You're only channeling that through because of me. You are just one part of me. I am a sum of many parts. Right. And me and my Olympians are gonna screw over all of you." And then it's then you get that war. You yeah, get the, you get the I see. I misunderstood. I misunderstood. No, I didn't explain it fully. Sorry. No, but um, that's really that's that's fun. Yeah, I yeah. like that a lot. Where you're just again, it's this. You think you think you've discovered something special. You this is all me. It's all me, bro. It's been me from I am. It's been me from day fucking one. Yeah. You can try. I'm still. Yeah, yeah, sure. You got power. I'm still better than you, though. Yeah. If, if it's a god that is that powerful, yeah, you can't yeah. just. You can't undo because you know it's um. I mean, we bring up D and D a lot here, but in in D and D, the Raven Queen being a yeah. god that was a human, my favorite deity, the, everyone's favorite deity because it's a really cool so story. Cool. And for those un, uninitiated, it is a, a an ancient wizard who is nameless now. Their name has been erased from history. Ascended to godhood, killed the god of death, whose whose name is now also lost to history, and mm-hmm. took their place. And now she is in charge. She is the god of death known as the Raven Queen and is one of the coolest gods that exists in D and D. And the fact that she was a human makes her so fascinating and people want to almost, it's like Vecna and like in like Matt Mercer's world, it's all about like trying to recreate that same goal of, I want to become a God too. I'm a really powerful wizard, the hubris or whatever. So any story in which someone tries to ascend to godhood and to kind of change the creation myth to benefit themselves is interesting. Is there a way to make a creation myth that is, See, when we think of creation myths, we always assume that it starts with deities creating lesser beings. Mm -hmm. Could it be the other way around? Could it be the other way around? Yeah, absolutely. So creation myth where you've got smaller creatures that actually did figure out how to ascend to the, you know, quantum level of manipulating reality to become deities. All right. So I'm thinking like, because it's like the whole 
a god is only as powerful as the number of people who worship them. Right, yeah. Let's go back to Greece. Yeah. All these Athenians, they really like this Eric guy. He's really cool. They all start to think of him as the leader. Yeah. as And like, he's so good at magic. He's got it. Like, and they all start kind of worshiping him and basically give him... He gets power from that, and he mm-hmm. becomes the god. And he, and then his hubris, because he doesn't understand that Zeus is still behind it all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that's how you get in, in that to that scenario. But I think in any situation, you could say the people of these, you know, they've just come out of tadpole form. They are now fully formed humans. They start to worship Ugbug over here, mm-hmm. um, and Ugbug becomes somehow stronger. It just starts to get. He just starts getting power because there's like a. a magic tied to this belief if you believe in somebody you know it's like like ted lasso's favorite version of gods yeah, yeah. is just believe in them yeah and they will some that, and, 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 and there's somehow like a magic tether to people through that belief that you basically like in an unknown way by believing there's like a positive thinking thing like you know your positive thinking actually has a magic to it yeah. And it does go over to them and give them a little bit of power, and they grow stronger. And right? Ugbug all of a sudden is like really big and really strong, and starts to be a lot smarter. Mm-hmm. And he is this caveman who who evolves fast, and he gets them out sort of, of this. like the collective. Like Ugbug is not so much just Ugbug anymore; it's more just a collection of the the collective intelligence and power of the people. Yeah, and collective good vibes. And collective good vibes. Yeah. So he like he becomes like it, it's essentially you get to we, we talked earlier about evolution and fast tracking it. Yeah. It's you're fast tracking evolution by creating a supercomputer in someone's brain by mm-hmm. giving them extra juice. Mm-hmm. And so you, and you can apply that in any scenario. Just yeah, like, that's it, cool. If people just start believing, Steve Jobs all of a sudden becomes you know a, a supercomputer himself because people believed in him. He's so not. Much. Yeah. Well, he's dead. Yeah, he's dead. Um, yeah. So I I think. Giving anybody that belief to empower that would be, would, be, would be cool. And what's fun about that idea is it creates the opportunity for much smaller stories. Like mm-hmm. you said something earlier that I, I can't even remember what it was, but it hit me because you, 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 the size of your world, and I don't mean the physical size of your planet, doesn't necessarily matter. The right? size of the story. The, the size, size of, of the story, at the scale of the story, does it? You can have creation myths that are just that level that exist for only one city or one town or one people or one family even and have it be just as impactful and just as powerful as a story about the creation of the cosmos and the universe right like i was thinking um there's uh brandon sanderson was uh, i was listening to one of his videos and he talked about a dnd campaign he ran that was set all in one room and all of the players were shrunken people navigating a normal, a normal sized room. But to them, it was massive. And but and and I thought that was so cool. Like you know, they think it's this big whole world, and they're just tiny people moving through a normal sized room. Yeah. Well, and then it's like the creation myth becomes like, you, like depending on how you frame it, you make the mundane so interesting. Of yeah. Like, uh, like our God Scott, who, yeah. who was just a, like who is a puppeteer who who made some little figurines and his wife, Maureen, are having arguments and it feels like it's the gods battling. It's yeah. like, no, it's just like a, a married couple debating something, but because their voices also seem so loud, so anything they speak, it's, and then it's like, um, if you watch any 
fiction version of when you have that shrunken down version mm-hmm. of people and then like the voices change and it's like and it, it feels so scary yeah but it's the and the creation myth can seem very like, you you could make it feel dramatic you can make it feel this epic thing but it's really just like scott's just uh dancing to beyonce and you yeah. think it's like uh the apocalypse it's the apocalypse or something and I think you, I think you can just make it, but that's like such a specific version that like to create that kind of world. Yeah, but it would be it'd be fun for like a D and D campaign for like a quick run thing. It's but, not or, like or or even just for a quick story. I mean, it depends yeah. on what you're trying to communicate. It and we've seen this before in sci-fi worlds where you know they create androids or they create new life somehow. The first time they experience anger, the first time they experience fear, is monumental. Yeah. And it has the it, everything is a traumatic experience, <laughs> effectively. Yeah. Um, I mean, just look, look at a child who doesn't have a lot of emotional experiences yet. They're mm-hmm. like, they react so strongly to everything because they're like, well, this is the end of the world. And it's like, no, you just, I, 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 you don't have another cookie. Yeah. Um, if the world is new, yeah, everything is a new experience for that world. So if a volcano erupts on a world for the first time and it's a mundane, calm eruption, it feels like an apocalypse, mm-hmm. but it's just, but like, not even like a filling up the sky with ash, just the lava coming down the mountain. Mm-hmm. People are like, oh, that's a bad omen. Right. And then people panic because they've never seen that before. It creates really fun opportunity. And this is one of my favorite concepts in, in mythology or, and, and pantheon creation is I love scaling of deities. Like I love minor deities versus yeah. major deities. And so you could very easily build a world where the creator myth was not, it's part of the creation of the larger cosmic universe. You still have Zeus, but then you have, oh no, this room, like you said, was created by a, a, a Scott and still has just as much influence and just as much power. And then it's the discovery and the, the story of you moving beyond Scott of, how do you once yeah. you get out of that room and out of Scott? Yeah. It's okay. Mm-hmm. What is the creation myth then? The story of the creation of the room, or the story of you discovering the broader world? Yeah, it's like the um. What's movie, the model that people are trying to follow from that myth? It's like um when you're chasing down a the BBEG and it's uh you like a lieutenant feels like yeah. the end of the world like this evil villain. Fuck him. He's so evil. Like, oh no, he's actually just a lieutenant. Oh, his captain's here. Okay, his captain is so evil. I hate yeah. this captain, whatever. Yeah. Oh, he's also just another pawn. And then and then you move up and up, and you're like, oh, the guy really pulling the strings is like four layers removed from the guy we thought was the biggest, baddest, evilest motherfucker. Right. And scaling it up with, with the- But it's positive with, this time. It's not bad. It's not yeah. evil. It's like- you thought Scott was cool. Wait till you meet Jeff. Yeah. Well, and like we talk, I, I, I've talked about this with you before of like in my world that I've put my effort into for home or for world building, the pantheon is four gods. Right. And four, which are the four seasons are represented as gods mm-hmm. and the God above them that no one worships that everyone just kind of like kind of knows exists, but doesn't really know anything about is just time itself is a God, Hmm. but is like this hidden layer of a God above that. And it's that just that extra added layer of something. And I, maybe I'll add more gods beneath the seasons. I don't know. Probably not because I like it simplified like that, but yeah, adding that extra layer of, you don't know who the gods report to. You don't like, What's the superstructure? Yeah, that like, they exist within. Yeah, like um, I think a hierarchy in the 
gods is interesting. Yeah. And then you get into, okay, cosmology of like, we exist in on planet Earth, yeah. in the solar system, in the Milky Way, yeah. in the universe. Yeah. What if that universe is governed by one god, yeah. and then there's a second universe, and a third universe, and a yeah. fourth universe next to those, right. all governed by their own gods with their own hierarchies, and there's a god above the god in charge of our universe. And you like, if you look at our own existence, you could pull up and extrapolate so many extra layers that some people do. Yeah. But if you do that, Wait, for, but if you do it for real within a story and find a way to make it relevant, yeah. or never, just right, make it. But it might not matter. That's the fun. Fun fact, ladies and gentlemen, we are also both stone cold sober for this. Not one, no drop of alcohol. We are not high at all. <laughs> just high, felt like high on life, baby. Hell yeah. Um, um, I love that idea of there being hidden and sort of esoteric gods, and you can blend it really well with your your idea earlier that people can create deities through belief. So let's imagine there's a planet where, uh, you know, people are existing. They're creating deities and these deities exist. They're deities of countries, of planet, uh, countries, of cities, of forests, of rivers and oceans and all these, anything that someone can believe in there, a deity forms out of it only to discover later on. I love, um, big, uh, I love in the Transformers universe. Yeah. How okay. Primus and Unicron mm-hmm. are actually like these creator deities are actually trans giant transformers that just transform into their planets. Like Cybertron is actually the, the hidden form of Primus and the planet can transform into a giant robot, just like Unicron does. So you have all these people that are creating all these deities only to discover later on that the planet they're on is actually a deity itself that's just been hidden or slumbering somehow. And then there's this conflict of which fucking gods are real here, right? Like, are they that. are they all real? Who do we worship now, though? Do we worship the things that we've always been worshiping or do we worship the thing that we've literally been living on for billions of years? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I'm like, my mind also throwing out... Um... A disc world as uh the world is uh giant turtles um yeah with the turtle moves yeah so like yeah any you could you could do that i i like to have the esoteric god you know think about like the force is a great example of like an esoteric god yeah um you know if people are people believe in um okay here's a, here's a positive note people b- believe in the concept of happiness yeah people Everybody aspires to be happy. Mm. That's everyone's main goal in life, basically, mm-hmm. is to mm-hmm. become a happy person, to live happy. If people are, people worship the idea of happiness. Yeah. Why the fuck wouldn't happiness be a God? Pure happy is a God. It has to be. Yeah. In, in, in a world where belief makes a God. Huh. Then you create the most positive, loving God possible and then it's like the war for the soul of people hmm. matters so much more because if people believe in nihilism, they believe in negativity, if people kind of go that direction, then what those esoteric versions of, you know, those raw feelings, yeah. you feel them, you believe in them. That's what you think life is worthless, I'm worthless, whatever. Worthlessness becomes a god that is empowered. Huh. So, you, like the whole like soul, the, the soul of a nation is really more. No, no, no. We need people to, to 
think positively because if they think negatively it literally matters they're going to empower an, like an evil negative god who will probably just eliminate us all so we need them to, to think positive thoughts to empower a positive god to make sure nothing gets tanked it's the external version of inside out the yep. the pixar movie about all the all yeah. the what if feelings had feelings kind yeah of kind, yeah kind of <laughs> except for in this situation it's not about balancing out no 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 not at all because you, you don't need the balance of we don't need nihilism to win. We don't need nihilism to exist. Like if nihilism was was washed away, happiness would be like, okay, well, at least like people will continue to, to seek progress and to seek solutions because it makes them more happy. So then like, that's fun. it's yeah, like, that's cool. And then you just need one Machiavellian. Life, in the pursuit of happiness. Yeah. yeah. And you need one Machiavellian character uh-huh. to pop up who's charismatic and starts to, to twist people one way or, or Undermine another the whole thing there's I, I i never played it but but there's a game called we happy few that didn't get a ton of mm. good reception but it was really hyped up before it came out mm. it was this idea of like um society or people are basically forced to take these pills that make them happy all the time and society is like creepily toxically happy and it's because they're being like force-fed happy pills it's like your main character chooses not to take the happy pill and then you're being sought out to like they're trying to take you down a deep state whatever yeah but the idea that you get you just need one guy to come up with sad pills who yeah. just starts feeding sad pills to to then like empower a sad god yeah that then it become like because that's his patron or because he is just that person or because he sees an opportunity for for control to gain power by a shift in the status quo that's that's yeah that's enough yeah, so basically, if, if you took real world con- like conflicts over uh, progress versus not progress, then you just made that personified by gods who are empowered yeah. further by your belief yeah. in one way of being or another. This is sort of the uh, the fantasy version of Equilibrium, the Christian Bale movie with Sean Bean. Haven't seen it. No. The grandma. T- oh, you got to see it. It's a world I don't think I do. It's it's pretty great. Uh, it's a um, uh, it's in a world where uh, in an effort to reduce to end all war, they have forced humans to start taking pills that suppress all emotion. Oh, gosh. and turn them only into logical things. And then you know someone stops. Uh, Christian Bale stops taking his meds. It's this whole thing. It's a yeah, it's gotcha, gotcha. cheesy, brilliant, terrible movie. Um, I love it so much. Yeah. But it's sort of the fantasy version of that. Yeah, that's I, I I didn't realize that that existed. So that's a, that's a good example of that. Movie night. We we'll watch something else. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, all right. Well I, well, I think that's probably the end of our noodles. So what stuck for you? I don't remember everything we talked about. Your ADD is bad today. Yeah, I'm very tired. Do you want me to go? Yes, I do want you to go, please. I think I had two things I think stuck for me. One is I love the idea of the gods inhabiting Earth and being and then all the the moons being yeah being society i think that's really fun yeah and i really like i like the 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 athenian conflict versus zeus over them not understanding how the divine magic worked yeah i think that could be really interesting because it's also just a slight twist on i love anything greek mythology and i would you know so if someone wants to write some urban fantasy in ancient greece that'd be cool um, I love it. I'm on board. I think for me, I love, um, I'm still feeling warm and fuzzy thinking about the world being spun by, uh, by a yeah. potter I and love like being continuously the shaped, the sculptor, the potter, whatever, yeah, yeah, like whatever you want to call it, continuously moving 
towards the state of perfection. Um, I love that. I think that's just such a cool, there's so many cool things that you could take from that, both positive and and negative. Like we talk, you know, like, yeah, yeah, like someone decides, oh, we're going to help you spin. And then, like you said, you discover, oh, but, uh, you know, each world is being spun by its own potter. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I also really like the idea of the, the creation myth of the terraformed planet of that's built where there's the a, a planet at the core of your planet oh yeah that yeah. you have to discover and it's the story of, of discovery of you know your your it's it's touches on that idea you you brought up about there's the creation myth but then there's the myth what if that creation myth was wrong yeah and or, or was intentionally a lie was intentionally a lie and then you've got that one druid who discovers nature magic and they're like oh i'm going to dig until i find it yeah yeah i think th- those are probably the two that that stuck most for me okay well that's what stuck for us let us know what stuck for you thanks for listening goodbye <laughs>